the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This guy wants to be president. Yeah, this is uh, Robert O'Rourke, also known as Beto. Listen. Is there anything in your mind that the president can do now to make this any better? Uh, what do you think? Um, you know shit he's been saying. He's, he's been calling Mexican immigrants rapists and criminals. Um, I, I don't know. Like, members of the press, what the f***? Hold on a second. You know, I, 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 it's, it's these... Um, it's these questions that you know the answers to. I mean, connect the dots about what he's been doing in this country. Um, he's not tolerating racism. He is promoting racism. He's not tolerating violence. He's inciting racism and violence in this country. So, um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know what kind of question that is. Well, the Democrats have decided that the only way to beat Trump is to define him, is to define him as a racist. Uh, and then when they're uh, and then when they've already unfairly defined him as a racist by distorting or exaggerating what he said, they can then blame him for just about everything because he's a racist. Listen to Chris Matthews here and keep in mind that the president was talking about rats and he was clearly talking about rats. And Matthews had to know that. President Trump's use of the word infested to describe Congressman Cummings' Baltimore district as part of a pattern the president typically only uses to refer to minority communities. After Georgia Congressman John Lewis, who represents Atlanta, said Trump was not a legitimate president, Trump said he should, quote, spend more time on fixing and helping his district, which is in horrible shape and falling apart, not to mention crime infested. He later added that Lewis should, quote, finally focus on the burning and crime infested inner cities of the U.S. And in his initial tweet attacking the four congresswomen of color, he told them to go back and help fix the totally broken and crime infested places from which they came. In an interview Sunday, acting White House Chief of Staff Mike Mick Mulvaney was asked about the president's rhetoric, his word usage. Let's watch. Infested. It sounds like vermin. It sounds subhuman. And these are all six members, uh, uh, members of Congress who are people of color. I think you're spending way too much time reading between the lines. Does anybody, I'm not reading between the lines. Anybody, I'm reading the lines. Anyone, good for Chris Wells. I'm reading the lines. Infested, infested, infested. It's a word. It's vermin. It's, it's a Hitlerian term. You go back and read Goebbels and all that stuff. It's all about the Jews in that case. It was inf- its use of the word vermin, infested. It, he's obsessed with this thing about cities. Well, and this is, this is the Nazi playbook, right? I mean, you dehumanize uh, people. You say they're infested. It gives you the reason to, I don't know. Well, exterminate you know, them. To exterminate Or oh, something like that. Um, and I think that this is, again, his way. And he's done it for every single one of these cities. And what many of these cities have in common is a majority African-American population, in some cases, African-American leadership, and he goes, he goes at them. I don't know who the woman is. doesn't matter. She's an idiot. But uh, So Matthews tells a uh, blatant lie about Trump, and the word infestation is used all over the media now to add to the racist narrative. And, of course, Obama and Elijah Cummings, we have it on tape, we've played it here, I think, have said the same thing about crime-infested neighborhoods. Guys like Matthews act like Trump is the first person ever to use that term. It's insane. Then there's this from the Meet uh, Meet the Press yesterday. Chuck Todd with a professor from Princeton named Eddie Glaude and North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory. Listen. For us to understand the kind of continuity, the line, the connection. What does it mean to have a discourse in which people are dehumanized, where you use a phrase like illegal immigrant, where the phrase itself places that person outside of a certain kind of sense of empathy and decency? What happens? Otherizing. Otherizing. What happens when we use language like infestation, children? You use this, Governor, children. Yes. Carrying perhaps disease across the border. What happens? You set the stage for people who are even more on the extreme to act violently. We are in a cold civil war. We are in a cold civil war. And there are some people who bear the burden of it, Chuck. 
There's some some of us who bear the burden. You could take it. You could not blame anyone other than Oswald. My parents had to worry about other folk because we grew up in Mississippi. You could you had the luxury not to worry about the context, but we had to live. We had to grow up in it. So here we have children. I'm, I'm sorry to go on and on. We have children in El Paso right now, right, who, who just witnessed their family members, their friends shot down because somebody thinks there's a Hispanic inva- invasion of the country, which is almost the exact same language of the president of the United States. Governor, if you can't condemn that without making the equivalency move. Well, I'm not going to condemn people who use illegal immigrant terms. Of course. Why me. not? No. And, and this. Why street- not? Because it's stupid to, to, to ban it. It's, that's what they are. They're illegal immigrants. And maybe they should stay home. And that would solve a lot of problems. It's hysteria. And it's insane and unbelievably dishonest, by the way. Now, the best piece I've seen today on the shootings was written by a regular on this show, David Harsani of The Federalist. And he's going to be here to talk about it when we come back. Stick around. Hey, come on, ago we had rocky blyer here to talk about his work with miracle league in moon township fields for athletes with special needs jim leland the pirates former manager is also involved in that project jim thanks for being here great to be here john great to talk to you tell me about the miracle league of moon township it's just a great thing for these kids and it's a wonderful opportunity to people to participate some people are a little less fortunate than others and i think it's just a great opportunity for people to volunteer and to help out and put a smile on somebody's face i've seen the field that they put out in upper st Clair. it's amazing oh it's unbelievable the way they construct these things they have the ramps and everything for the kids it takes a little stress off the parents i think it's what pittsburgh's all about it's just a great thing it'll serve montour west allegheny moon sewickley weirton steubenville beaver county and surrounding communities approximately 100 to 200 children will be eligible to participate and it'll also serve adults with special needs so it's a great cause and if you'd like to see how you can help maybe donate some money check it out at miraclesinmoon.org miraclesinmoon.org we'll be right back recent storms have done a number of on Pittsburgh homes and businesses. This is John Steigerwald. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. All you have to do is visit windowsrspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. Why pay twice as much with other companies? Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at windowsrspittsburgh.com. Mention STAG for an additional 10% off at windowsrspittsburgh.com. That's windowsrspittsburgh.com. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday right here on the John Steigerwald Show. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. You started your business with nothing but a great big idea. They told you it couldn't be done, but that just made you work harder to prove them wrong. Now look at you, ready to take on the world. Speed Pro Pittsburgh South gets where you're coming from. When they said they wanted to create great big graphics for great big ideas like yours in less time than anyone else, they were told it couldn't be done. Speed Pro Pittsburgh South just smiled and said, Oh yeah? Watch us. When you need a large format printing partner who can provide high quality visual graphics in stunning detail, from trade show displays to outdoor signs, 3M brand vehicle wrap for your fleet, to window graphics, banners, and decals, Speed Pro Pittsburgh South can handle most jobs in two days or less and can roll with last minute change ups without breaking a sweat. Who says it can't be done? For a free quote, visit speedpropghsouth.com. Do you find yourself struggling to get comfortable while trying to read or watch TV in bed? Consider an adjustable bed from the original Mattress Factory and elevate your sleep experience. Raise your head and feet to the zero-gravity position to help relieve joint pressure and provide optimal comfort. The original Mattress Factory offers two models of high-quality adjustable beds at an excellent value. Both models are designed to pair perfectly with an original mattress. Visit an original Mattress Factory location near you to find the perfect adjustable bed and mattress for you. 
Sleep impacts your ability to focus, learn, and solve problems. But according to Harvard Medical School, only 11% of American college students are sleeping well. At the original Mattress Factory, we can't guarantee that your college student won't stay up until 3 a.m. cramming before a big exam. But we can provide a hand-built, high-quality mattress at a factory-direct price when they are finally ready to get some rest. Visit an Original Mattress Factory store near you or go to OriginalMattress.com to learn more. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Every time we have a mass shooting, you can count on hysterical responses, which is understandable. Uh, understandable. They're horrific. Uh, and most people will calm down eventually. And you can always count on lots of people, including politicians who you would think would know better, to say, just do something. There's a hashtag out there uh, floating around on Twitter, just do something. Uh, Congress needs to come back and get, get into se- back into session and, you know, just do something. David Harsani of The Federalist has a piece up on the site, and the headline is, Do Something is Not Going to Stop Mass Shooters. He joins us now. David, thanks for being here. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's like you're my co-host, but I I, <laughs> I, uh, I looked around for... I should be so lucky. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, um, I was looking on the Internet today for people who uh, I wanted to get on to talk about their take on it, and uh, so far, yours the, uh, I'm sorry, but yours is the best thing I've seen because the... the um, you know, that is the response. Just do something. And that's just an idiotic um, response most of the time. So what are the two do-somethings that the do-something people seem to think are going to work? And why won't they? Well, right now, I guess the two do-something things are uh, uh, background, universal background check, which is run out of D.C., and uh, banning assault weapons which is sort of an amorphous term that could mean anything they want it to mean, which is why they use it, because it basically means any semi-automatic weapon I don't like, you know. So background checks are have been, we already have background checks. I forget what the exact number is, but 90-something percent of guns go through a background check. There is, you know, if you want to, you know, there is, there are a few sales out there like, you know, you sell a gun to your friend or, you know, your your brother or whatever it is. You can make that sale without having to get a special license and all of that. But overall, background checks, almost everyone has to go through them. And there is really not a single one of these mass shootings where the person, you know, somehow got a gun, uh, you know, without a background check. They all pass background checks, most of them, because they typically have not committed crimes beforehand. And the other is uh, the assault weapon thing you mentioned. Um, Right. Uh, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. I just, I guess, um, what you said though is that neither neither of these shooters this weekend, El Paso or Dayton, would have been stopped by a background back, uh, background check. That's pretty much been uh, determined already. As far as we can tell, yeah. I mean, both uh, didn't seem to have a criminal record, um, so they could go in and buy a gun. I mean, as far as we know, something could come up. And uh, I looked back at a you know a long string of these recent. Attacks and there were, I mentioned in my, co- my column, around four incidents where background checks would have stop- stopped them from purchasing the gun that they used, but that the FBI or local authorities failed to properly check them and they got away with it, but not because background checks. Do you know what I'm saying? They, w- they didn't work because they weren't properly put forward, not that they didn't exist. And what exactly is a... what? What background are they checking? Uh, just criminal background, or I mean, we find out about this guy in in Dayton that uh, he had a list of people he wanted to kill, rape, and skin alive. Uh, that's I mean, that's in his background, but it's how do you check it? Well, it's it's a difficult question. You, you know, they check for criminality, and also if you are considered, and I forget the exact ter- terminology, but if you're mentally, you know, un able to take care of yourself or that you're going to harm yourself or others, you can also be stopped from buying a weapon. Um, It's difficult. You know, we do have laws, red flag laws already on the books where if someone is threatening other people, where someone is uh, acting a certain way, like the guy, the kid in Parkland, um, police are allowed to look into it and and even to confiscate his weapons. They need to, and we have laws that allow us to do some of this stuff and and, uh, we should worry about those laws before we start adding new laws on that don't really 
help uh, prevent these sorts of incidents from happening. Enforce existing laws. In the case of Parkland, they, they blew that, didn't they? Well, they blew it on a number of ways. There's a guy had a long history of threats, uh, even the school, I believe. And I just want to make sure I get my facts straight, but I think this is correct. That school warned police that he might be a, a shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they knew he had guns. Police had shown up at his house numerous times. And those are all, uh, that seems like the that seems like the kind of person you want to keep an eye on and perhaps take their weapons away with due process, of course. But mm-hmm. um, they didn't do that. And then obviously the police failed the kids there when they acted like cowards outside. Oh, yeah, that was another part of it. Um, and that, and uh, there are people paying for that. Um, so what about uh, gun show loopholes? That's another one that you, you keep hearing about that uh, as though some of these people who commit these crimes have been buying their guns at uh, gun shows. There is no gun show loophole. There is uh, every person who sells guns is a licensed seller of guns, uh, and you buy a gun at a gun show, they put you through a background check. If you are, like I mentioned before, selling one gun to someone who you know or something like that, you can, but if it becomes high volume, that's illegal. You can't do that. You have to get a license. There is straw purchases are already illegal. You can't buy a gun for someone who's not supposed to have one. Now, you can pass another law that says, uh, you know, straw purchases are really, really bad and don't do it, but that's not really adding a law. It's just, you know, putting another law in the books that exists. There are already, I'm not exactly sure, but like 15,000 laws regulating guns. It's, people say it's unregulated. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, and uh, you've written a book. We're talking to David Hersani. He's the uh, he's a uh, senior uh, writer at the uh, Federalist. Um, but you've also written a book, First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun from the Revolution to Today. Uh, you told me some interesting things about uh, my favorite uh, note from the, from the book is that uh, Dodge City was pretty quiet but, um, as far as people getting shot. But in your research for this book, how much did you find that would apply to what's happening today? Hmm. Well, you know, there's always been violence and gun violence and the fact of the matter is that though we've seen even though you know everyone or people seem to measure what a mass shooting is in different ways um gun violence overall has really fallen in the past 30 years but uh, you know these kind of mass shootings like this continue or you know to happen and continue probably to rise and uh they're scary because these people are nihilistic they just kill for killing sake they're you know it could be anywhere in a school you know in a mall anywhere and it's horrifying. That means they're everywhere and people are scared and that makes sense. Um, but, you know, and I hate to even say this because people get mad, but in context, you're probably much safer today than you used to be when I was a kid and uh, in the 70s and, and 80s. And uh, it's something to keep in mind before we start panicking because, you know, you're just passing laws that don't really help. You know, it's just a waste of your time. It may, may make you feel better, but you're not really helping the situation. Yeah, you, uh, your first... Uh line of your your piece is although mass shootings account for a fraction of gun deaths in america and gun homicides are at historic lows the terroristic nature of these crimes make them especially traumatic and destructive which is what you just said here but uh how many people do you think are aware that mass shootings no number one fraction account for a fraction of gun deaths but also that gun homicides are at historic lows you hear the numbers coming out of places like baltimore and chicago but we're still at historic lows yeah, we are. I mean, it's. Been, I think again, I'm not. I don't have it in front of me, but I think they've been cut in half since 1993. Um, you know, places like gentrified cities now, like New York City and elsewhere, for many different reasons, I, you know, um, have lower, much lower crime rates, much lo- lower murder rates. And at the same time, it should be mentioned, there was a huge expansion of gun ownership. Lots more guns were being sold during that time as well, including assault weapons after the assault weapon ban in 2004 um, ended. So I'm not saying that those guns made it safer or brought down crime, but I think that it's worth pointing out that more guns don't always mean more crime and uh, that, that we maybe have a deeper problem here with these these young, typically, or quite often white you know, males who seem lost and angry and hateful, and that it's something that we, as a society, need to look at maybe a little deeper than just the easy, you know, guns are the problem kind of answers that we usually hear. Now, I saw this, you have a tweet in your piece uh, that I actually saw, and I, I see these and I, I wonder the same thing. Um, but I, the, the tweet is, I grew up in Montana, attended Hunter's safety class, hunted with my dad, had multiple rifles in our house, 
No one in my family defends the idea that Americans have the need or right to buy military assault guns capable of killing nine people in 30 seconds. And then he has the hashtags, two of them, enough and do something. That's uh, Michael McFall. And uh, what's your response to that tweet? <laughs> that tweet's got a lot of, of misleading and untrue stuff packed in there. First of all, the, the Second Amendment has nothing to do with hunting. No, um, zero. It has to do with the, you know defending yourself, your property, your family, your freedoms, and the nation's freedoms. Mm-hmm. So... Well, that's what it's about. And the reason that he uses the term assault uh, weapons or guns or war, you know, war, people call them war weapons, things like that, is because they know well that Heller decision is protects the right of people to have semi-automatic rifles, which are in common use, but not the right to have fully automatic military weapons. They want to conflate those two things so that they can move forward and say that these weapons should be banned. You know... They purposely muddle it. He answered my tweet when I pointed that out to him, and he said that it's just semantics. Well, it's not semantics. It's in the Heller decision, and it's important, and he knows that as well. Who is so this guy, by the way? I remember in the tweet, but I've forgotten. I mean, I saw it in the tweet, like, but I've forgotten. He's like a big anti-Trump guy now. I okay. think he was uh, an ambassador, and he's written a best-selling book and things like oh, okay, that. Okay. Um, I would say he's sort of like a uh, you know very, very moderate Republican, so moderate he votes Democrat all the time. Yeah. So, um but listen, I mean, you, you had Donald Trump, you have uh, Pat Toomey, you have others uh, wanting to pass things that I, I you know, that, that I think are, are not very helpful, including, you know, uh, red laws, which, which, which sometimes in California, for instance, these laws, like you can report someone who you think might be dangerous and the police will come and take his guns, but... Mm-hmm. A lot of these laws, like in California, they really strip away due process where, you know, you have an angry boyfriend or girlfriend, they can, you know, they can just report you and people will come take your guns away. I think we have to be careful about that as well. Um, you also addressed the argument that uh, so-called assault rifles are not commonly owned and shouldn't be protected by the Second Amendment. I see the argument all the time that, you know, the founders meant muskets and that's what was a commonly owned gun at the time. Well, I mean, the, the the most the classic answer to that is that you know, are you using a quilt and parchment paper right now? No, yeah. you're using the internet. Uh, the founders were not idiots; they understood the technology moved forward. In, in fact, many of them saw saw guns that were already pretty advanced, like air guns and things like that. They understood that technology moved forward, and the the point of the Second Amendment is a natural right to defend yourself, not the musket itself. Um, so. You know, so, uh, you know, I mean, that's, I think, a, a weak argument. Mm-hmm. I have about a minute and a half left, David. Uh, so uh, what doing something might actually do something, do you think? Well, I have to say, it's it's tough. I'm not sure, because I, I think that we don't really know why it's happening. So, you know, I think one thing that we can do is talk about trying to help families and schools sort of pinpoint what kind of person might do something like this and either get that person more help or, you know, or, or just or take, make sure they don't get guns. I think that that's a, a realistic thing to look at, and it, it's going to take a lot of work. There's no simple answers. Um, and I think that tightening up the laws that we have, we have plenty of laws on the books. We have to make sure that they're used, make sure that, uh, you know, we're not allowing people who shouldn't have weapons to have them. No, you know, responsible gun owners don't is the worst thing for them because they believe in this right and they don't want to see it abused. I have less than a minute, David. Um, what do you think about the uh, the Democrats' response of, uh, to and, and blaming Trump? Have they topped themselves on this one? I don't know how it's going to turn out, but it, I think it's pretty despicable to use the blood of Americans in that way. The idea that, you know, I get letters sometimes like, when will you denounce white supremacy as if... Right. I am somehow responsible for that. I'm a, I'm I'm Jewish. I don't have to. De- I mean, I denounce them because it's terrible, but I don't have anything to do with them any more than asking someone who's Muslim to denounce every terrorist act that is Islam. You know, that happens in Islam. It's ridiculous. Hey, David, I'm out of time. Always great to have you. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. A pleasure. Thank you. Okay, David Harsani of the Federalist, and we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Stocks dropped 3% today on news that China and its ongoing trade war with the United States devalued its currency and halted purchases of U.S. farm products. Financial analyst Hillary Kramer says much of these losses are computer-generated. This is very serious because trading on that level 
turns machines on. You know, a lot of this is artificial intelligence. Machines see that kind of loss, and they continue with the selling. So selling begets selling in this world of smart, supposed computers. Kramer edits Game Changers in cooperation with Salem Media. Investors fear that the escalating trade war between the two giant economic powers could do lasting damage to the world economy. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 767 points. The Nasdaq plunged 278. The S&P lower by 87. Oil dropped to 54.69 a barrel. This is SRN News. Driving is freedom. The freedom to keep moving, to control your destiny, and to choose your path. And now, that freedom fits in the palm of your hand. It's called Ford Pass, the only app that gives you roadside assistance. Ford Pass rewards, and now when you buy or lease a new Ford, earn points you can use toward flexible complementary maintenance that gives you, well, more freedom. Ford Pass, built to keep you moving. Built Ford proud. Visit your participating Ford dealership to find out about getting flexible complementary maintenance when you buy or lease a new Ford and sign up for rewards. Roadside assistance is included for certain Ford owners and available to everyone for a per-service fee. Ford reserves the right to change program details without obligations. Visit your participating dealer or FordPassRewards.com for program rules and restrictions. Ford Pass, compatible with select smartphone platforms, is available via download. Dennis Prager is looking at the future of North Korea. If Kim Jong-un will give up a lot of his nuclear capabilities and in some way lighten up his totalitarian rule because flattery from the President of the United States goes a long way, then let him flatter this barbarian. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1250. The Answer. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly. To protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Community Bank. City Mission. Number One Cochrane. Highmark Stadium. Peters Township Community Center. Angelo's Restaurant. What do all these businesses have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for business. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. Pella has done it again with our brand new lifestyle series. Pella can customize window replacement solutions room by room. Imagine bedroom and bathroom windows with shades between the glass, a room darkening experience for sleep in one room, and beautiful privacy in the other. Pella Lifestyle Series is the number one performing wood window and patio door. Right now, get 50% off installation or 18 months no payments no interest. Call 888-77-PELLA. PellaPittsburgh.com. Healthy pets, healthy people, focusing on a natural, holistic approach for human and animal wellness. Host Dr. Edmund Sokowski and his guests discuss various topics on health and wellness for us and our companion animals. As each Saturday, live from 9 to 10 in the morning on 1250 AM, The Answer, giving you the opportunity to call in with your questions. A healthy pet is a happy pet, and being healthy makes people happy. Tune in, listen, learn, be well. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Got some heavy delays on northbound 79 Grant Avenue up to the Parkway North. Crash off to the shoulder. Now we're also very busy on the Parkway North outbound Venture Street up to Union Avenue. Outbound 65 delays there from 19 to the McKees Rocks Bridge. Parkway West heavy inbound Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound slows down 79 to Campbell's Run Road. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. For some of you, tonight starts out with a thunderstorm. Otherwise, it'll be partly cloudy tonight with a low 66. Warm and humid will have sunshine mixing with clouds and thunderstorms in the area later in the afternoon. I'm going to be 85. Mostly cloudy with a shower and thunderstorm around tomorrow night. A muggy 65. 
Mostly cloudy with a shower and heavy thunderstorm around Wednesday. I just near 80. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Frank Strait. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Texas has been in the news for all the wrong reasons here in the last couple of days. It's good to have a guy from Texas on to talk about it. Now, um, I had originally wanted to have him on to talk about the unbelievable government stupidity in Austin and the invitation to the homeless to come down and pitch tents there. We'll get to that in a minute. Matt Makoviak is the Travis County Republican Party chairman. That's down in Texas. He's also a writer for Washington Times, a political consultant who has worked for senators, a governor, and President George W. Bush. He joins us now. Matt, thanks for being here. John, my pleasure. How are you? Good, good. So how is this uh, story playing in Texas right now? I mean, I know how generally how it's playing everywhere, but especially in Texas. Yeah, it's obviously not a, uh, a new tragedy in the sense that we, we've had other shootings. We had the Sutherland Springs uh, church shooting, uh, whatever that was, a couple of years ago. We obviously had the Santa Fe high school shooting, which um, which caused uh, the governor to call a series of meetings, uh, which led to some legislative action around mental health reform uh, and some other areas during the last legislative session. You know, look, it's it, it's complicated because in Texas, uh, you know, Second Amendment rights are very, very seriously taken. Uh, we have uh, a uh, concealed carry law here. Uh, we, you know, we we take our Second Amendment rights just very seriously all across the state. On the other hand, uh, these these shootings are becoming more and more common, and obviously, this El Paso one added in a racial element that I think no one was prepared for. And so, um, we're obviously still in a, in a in a state of mourning. Uh, I gave blood today in Austin. They're take, they're you know collecting blood all. all around the state for El Paso um, it's it's obviously a very difficult time and what's your reaction to the way the Democrats have reacted to this uh, uh, for example telling uh, Donald Trump not to go visit any of the victims in uh, El Paso yeah I mean I just think the the rhetoric has gone way overboard um, you know you have Democratic presidential candidates not just saying the president's racist uh, which I think is, is is really not supported by the facts, but no. you have them going further and calling him a white supremacist. Mm-hmm. That's effectively calling him a member of the KKK. I mean, that is just literally absurd. Right. Um, it, it's slanderous. Um, and, and for Beto O'Rourke, the the uh, most immediate congressman, former congressman in that from that district, and now the the current congresswoman Veronica Escobar, both tell the president not to come to El Paso as if uh, he shouldn't come and visit with victims, families, and law enforcement uh, to thank them. I mean, that is just ridiculous. It's just so over the top. Uh, we don't have to have a hyper-partisan moment 48 hours after the shooting, one of the, I think, six or eight worst in our history. So I, I just hate seeing, you know, these things happen, and we all say the country's too divided, and then folks on both sides continue to divide us further, and I just hate seeing that. Yeah, and um, I, my first segment, I played a bunch of sound bites of people. Um, uh, well, first, the first thing I played was Beto O'Rourke and just going off on Trump and saying that, you know, he's not only... Uh, saying racist things, but he's inciting uh, violence, and it was just totally insane. But um, you know, and I know you did, you spent some time working uh, in the media. You you've been on Fox News and MSNBC and all over. And I'm just wondering. The, the thing that's driving me nuts on this is the way that, and I think the media are actually, if anybody is is to blame, it's the media for taking what Trump says. And then turning it into what they say is a racist comment, and then taking that and and adding all these things up that you know the the, the examples of this up to a nice big package, and then saying that all these things add up to him being a racist when none of them actually uh, were first of all um, truthfully reported. They were taken out of context, and so I think that his if anything's. If anybody's at fault, it's that the media for portraying uh, Trump as a racist and then convincing people by constantly harping on it that he is a racist. Yeah, John, I think there are literally quite literally millions of people around the country that would agree with what you just said. Um, and look, look, I think one of the most keen insights from the 2016 election came from our friend Selena Zito, who's based there in Pittsburgh. I don't yeah. know if you, if you know her. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She, she came up with the line that, that, that Trump's base takes him uh, seriously, but not literally, and that the media takes Trump uh, literally, but not seriously. That's really and, good, and yeah. honest, Honestly, it just continues to play out day after day after day. 
Um, you know, they, they take him so literally, and he's not precise with language. Let's be honest. He's, he's not even really all that careful with language. He likes to communicate sort of uh, thoughts in, in, in blunt with, as a blunt instrument, um, not always picking the perfect word. He's not a lawyer. He's not a politician. He's not particularly careful. But I think people understand where he's coming from. They understand his heart. And so, you know, to argue that you can't criticize inner city Baltimore without that being considered racist is absurd. Um, our inner cities are, 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 in many cases, in very, very, very bad shape um, around the country. And honestly, he's not just criticized you know, primarily African-American cities. He's criticized New York and San Francisco as much or more than anywhere else, yep. including calling the current mayor of New York City the worst mayor in the history of the city. So I just think, you know, if, we, if you cannot criticize an African-American elected official on the basis of their record solely because they're African-American, that is not... Martin Luther King's idea of judging men by the content of their character. And that's, that's I think, totally fair. Now, if you want to make racial statements, uh, I think that is uh, open, open for criticism. I didn't like the sort of send them back mm-hmm. um, uh, line, line that, he, that line that he used. But this idea that he's a white supremacist, literally in league with the KKK, is so absurd and offensive and slanderous that, honestly, I think Democrats in the media go way too far, and it makes a lot of average people... Uh, sit back and say that doesn't sound sound right to me. Uh, Trump must be on the on the right path. It's also everywhere. Uh, it's just accepted now among uh, the uh, two entire networks full of commentators, uh, two or three. I mean, I'm talking about MSNBC and CNN, but if you could throw ABC and CBS in there too, um, he's just a racist. It's just been uh, the the you know this, it's just been uh, totally established by them that he's a racist. I, I saw a great tweet. Somebody named Matt Nelko tweeted to me, says, sorry, but when person A describes a place as being filthy and rat infested and person B immediately thinks of black people, it's not person A who's the racist. I think that's a really good tweet, you know, because and that's what's happening. That's what's happening. People like Chris Matthews are showing how wonderful he is and how uh, how woke he is. And he's, he's actually showing himself to be a little bit bigoted. No, I think that's a good point. And look, I, I, again, I do think Trump has an opportunity to be more careful with language sure. to make his point more sharply. Uh, and honestly, I thought his statement this morning was it was excellent. Uh, calling out racism, bigotry, and yes, white supremacy by name um, was a very good step. And almost everything else he said in there, or everything he said in there, I thought was really quite uh, unobjectionable. And I imagine he'll have a similar message on Wednesday when he visits El Paso and Dayton over the objections of you know hyperpartisan Democratic elected officials. So, but you're you're right. I mean. Look, Democrat, let's be honest about this, John. Democrats have been taking the African-American vote for granted for a generation. Mm -hmm. And they do not want to be called out for the record, uh, right? The war on poverty has failed. We've spent, good good Lord knows how much money we've spent on the war on poverty. We have just as many people in poverty today as we did before. Um, Look at it in the inner city, right? You don't have school choice, so you don't have uh, parental freedom in terms of putting kids, taking kids out of failing schools and putting them into into good schools. Uh, that, That affects the Democratic constituency. There are so many issues there. So I do think there's an opportunity for the president to, to make the argument that the inner cities have had been run by Democrats for generations, uh, and they keep having the same failures they've had. And, and so there's an, there's, an, there's an opportunity to make that argument if he's careful and if he does it the right way. And by the way, just uh, to throw in here, I, I had, there's, I've seen sound bites from both Obama and Elijah Cummings using the word infested when talking about crime-infested uh, neighborhoods, yeah. and they were talking about Baltimore, or I don't remember what city it was, but it was an urban area. Um, I, I want to talk about Austin in just a second, but I, uh, I just want to get to one other thing. There's been a lot of talk, and this is good to have you on here today, because this has been coming up, it seems, in the last few days. A lot of talk lately about Texas becoming a blue state. Um, you're the Republican Party chairman in Travis County. I understand that is a blue state. Is it possible yeah. that this can happen anytime soon? Should Should Republicans be worried about that? Yeah, it sort of makes me wonder because I, I haven't been quite as as um, uh, concerned as some of these members of Congress are choosing not to run for election. It almost makes me think they know more than I do. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing, John, is is 2018 was an aberration in Texas, right? Trump won Texas in 2016 by nine percent. That was actually quite a bit more narrow than it had been. I think Romney won by 11 percent. Of course, uh, George W. Bush did very very well in Texas over the years. That McCain won by 12 or 13 percent. So the, it was kind of going in the wrong direction. 
direction, but it was still in the really the high single digits. In 2018, you had Beto O'Rourke raise $80 million for the U.S. Senate. Just to give you an idea how much money that is, no person who's ever run for the United States Senate, incumbent or challenger in the history of the country, has raised that much money. Wow, and he's um, an idiot. He, and he is. He deployed all of it in Texas. Uh, that one combined with straight ticket voting. He brought out a million new voters, and he lost to Ted, to Ted Cruz uh, by 2.7%. And now the down ballot effects of that were, were significant. We lost 12 state House seats. We lost wow. uh, two state Senate seats. We lost two congressional seats. We lost every judicial race in Houston. I could keep going. And it was really quite disastrous. I think Democrats are thinking, well, 2018 was great. 2020 is going to be just the same. And that's just not how it works. Midterm elections and presidential elections have mm-hmm. very different turnout universes. And so, you know, ultimately, I don't think Trump is in any danger in Texas. I do think some of these targeted congressional races and down ballot races are going to be very competitive. And I don't like seeing these retirements because incumbents always have advantages. But but no, I don't see Texas turning blue in the, sh- in the, in the short term. That said, we cannot continue to get a third of the Hispanic vote in a state where the Hispanic vote is going to be the majority in the very near future. Okay, now let's talk about Austin and your petition. Uh, we talked about the plan there, the idiotic plan and to invite the homeless to pitch tents in the city as if that's something that helps everybody out. So how's that plan working out? That uh, it was, I think it was back in June we had actually the guy who wrote the story I saw your name in, uh, Jeff Preston, I think his name is. Uh, Brian Preston, yeah. Yeah, Brian Preston. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been pretty disastrous, and, and honestly, uh, it's about to get worse. You know, this took effect July 1st. It's only been in, pla- in place one month, and the city council basically now is allowing the homeless to sleep or camp or, or, or you know, pitch a tent or camp or sleep anywhere in public. That's nice. With the exception of private property, city parks, and yes, you guessed it, city hall. Um, <laughs> So, you know, you are literally now walking through downtown. There are people sleeping all over the place. You can imagine they're going to the bathroom because that's where they're sleeping. Uh, It's creating all kinds of waste. It's affecting tourism. It's affecting public safety. It's affecting public health. And for whatever reason, our mayor and our city council decided to emulate the disastrous models that we've seen in places like Los Angeles and Seattle and Honolulu and San Francisco. If your if your uh, listeners out there have never seen the the, um, the video or the documentary Seattle is dying, I, I would encourage every single one of the person out there to go find it on YouTube and watch it. We might have had um, the producer of that on the show here. Well, I, it was either him or yeah. someone who wrote about that. Yeah, way back. It's, it's yeah. pretty compelling. So yeah, so just just to, just to close the loop, and I don't really to be honest with you, John, I don't really want Pittsburgh you know, residents going to find the petition and sign it. What we need is really Austin you know, people mm-hmm, to sure. sign it. But I do want you and your listeners to know that if this can happen you know, in a city like Austin, it can happen in a city like Pittsburgh as well. These urban areas are being taken over, not by mainstream Democrats, not by you know, your father's, your grandfather's Democratic Party, but by honestly full-scale socialists. I mean, that's literally what we're dealing with in, in a city like Austin, which has wow. always been liberal, but never been as progressive as it is right now. So we're trying to overturn this we have a city council meeting this Thursday. We'll fight the good fight, and if that doesn't happen, we're going to uh, ratchet up the pressure. But we've had 20,000 people sign this thing in two weeks online with not one cent of paid advertising. So it's really gone viral here locally, and it's going to get worse because we have, UT, have 50,000 UT students returning in two weeks. We have home football games. We have the ACL Festival in September, which brings hundreds of thousands of people here all roaming downtown, many of which will be drunk. I mean, the, the potential <laughs> for violence is very significant, and I hope the city takes all that into consideration does the right thing. i got a couple minutes here. Um, so, uh, just to be clear, they had the. Did they have to pass a law that, or, or change a law that allowed them to do it? They were not able to do that before, and they said it would be a good idea to change the law to allow them to camp on the sidewalk. Basically, there was a there was sort of existing language in the city charter that said they couldn't camp in public spaces, and they basically just undid that. Uh, there was very little to no public debate beforehand, and and of course they took a five week. Uh, July uh, recess after it happened. So they, they left citizens all across the city to deal with it, and really they left our police to deal with it. Um, and I can tell you, our police officers are, are you know, be beside themselves with what a disaster the policy's been. So uh, it's been amazing, though. They, they continue to sort of defend it. They believe it's, uh, you know, compassionate. I don't believe it's compassionate to tell a homeless no. person they can sleep on a sidewalk in 95-degree yeah. heat at 10 p.m. in the summer. Right. Um, and we spent $30 million a year on homelessness, and we got almost nothing to show for it. So, um, you know, the city's got some, some questions to answer. But this, again, this, if this can happen to Austin, the 11th largest city in the country, with a million people, it can happen to Pittsburgh, it can happen to Philadelphia, it can happen anywhere. Quick question. If those people who came up with this law, if their election were tomorrow, would they get reelected? 
they are feeling the heat. Uh, yeah. We generally, you know, we generally, as I said, elect progressive members of the council. And they yeah. generally don't feel a lot of pressure, but they are feeling enormous pressure. And I'm telling you, we are about to ratchet things up to a whole new level. Yes, you know, invite people to come and poop on the street is probably not a good <laughs> idea. Uh, one real right. quick question before we go: You follow me on Twitter and have for a long time, and you are, you list yourself as a, um, a a Penguins, Steelers, Pirates guy. Are you a Pittsburgh, you have a Pittsburgh connection. We do. My dad's from Whitehall, from Baldwin Whitehall. I graduated Baldwin High School in 1970. My mom's from Pleasant Hills. She went to TJ, so they went to rival high schools and met at a you know skating rink on a blind date in the summer after they graduated. So yeah, we've got deep Pittsburgh ties. Um, you know, going back to Southside, several generations back. I'm a diehard uh, Steelers, Steelers and Penguins fan. Pirates are a little bit tough. Yeah, a little tough. Since we have an ownership uh, st- structure that doesn't really want to win, doesn't yep. seem like. But uh, no, huge Steelers fan. Really excited about this season. I think they have a great chance to win uh, thir- 12, 13 games and have a deep playoff run. Hey, Matt, I'm glad I finally got you on, and uh, thanks for following me on Twitter. We'll do it again. Very good. Thanks. Anytime. Thanks. Okay, that's Matt Makoviak, and we'll be back. I'm here with Miracle League of Moons, Mike Magolik. Mike, I understand donations have slowed a little bit. How's progress? A lot of progress since we last talked. Obviously, it's never as quick as you want it to be, but we're happy with where we're going to be coming into the summer. We've broken ground on the field house. Foundations are going in, but the playground's been delayed. What's the plan? We'll continue to fundraise. We have a lot of great support. The community likes the project, so we're confident we'll get there in time to have the playground up for next year. And remember, every dollar you give today goes directly to fund the building of this state-of-the-art field for the kids with special needs. It will be updated with ramping systems and different things so that individuals that have problems with their mobility will be able to get to the same spots that everyone else easily can get to. Help keep the project on track. Visit miraclesinmoon.org with your donation today. Mike, as always, wish you good luck with this project. We'll be following it and you keep us updated, okay? I will. Thanks for all the support and Pittsburgh, thanks for helping. Give now at miraclesinmoon.org slash donate. Sponsored by Robinson Town Center, a Zamias Properties entity. Morning Bullets is asking for the public to respond to a nationwide poll that could help shape political policy in 2020. This is your chance to be heard by the decision makers all the way up the chain. Their question, should the federal government provide free health care to illegal immigrants? Yes or no? Visit trumpspulseonamerica.com to let your voice be heard before the decisions are made for you. Medical services are guaranteed by the Emergency Treatment and Active Labor Act and require hospitals to provide care regardless of citizenship, legal status, or ability to pay. The Federation for American Immigration Reform reported that medical expenditures for illegal immigrants was over $17 billion in 2017 alone. The decision is up for debate and the policymakers want to hear what the public thinks. Should the federal government provide free health care to illegal immigrants? Yes or no? Go to trumpspulseonamerica.com now to vote. That's trumpspulseonamerica.com. trumpspulseonamerica.com. Be heard. It's a staggering statistic. One in eight women will develop invasive breast cancer during her life. New technology has revolutionized breast cancer treatment, giving women more treatment options than ever before. Dr. Charlotte Gale Patterson, breast surgeon. Many women choose to have breast-conserving surgery, also known as a lumpectomy, but this can impact the cosmetic appearance of the breast. Newer oncoplastic surgery techniques minimize dimpling or other cosmetic changes to a woman's breast, helping her to look and feel like herself. A new medical device called Biosorb helps minimize dimpling of the breast after doctors remove the cancerous lump, maintaining the natural shape of the breast. Biosorb also helps with radiation targeting. Think of it as a GPS for breast cancer, helping radiation oncologists better target treatments to minimize the impact on the surrounding healthy tissue. It's also important for follow-up mammograms because the marker can help identify the site of the previous cancer, aiding with future imaging or medical procedures. For more information, visit mybiosorb.com. What is it costing you in vet bills for that convenience of just pulling open a bag of formulated, extruded, processed cereal bits? That costs a ton of money anyways. How do you feed your dog to derive not only energy, but a good coat, bright eyes, and a great attitude? Come to Dynavite for help. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I found his raw meat diet on Dynavite.com. With just the raw meat and the eggs and the Dynavite and the Super Omega on top of it. Try Super Omega fish oil. Buy two. Get one free. Ground beef, white rice, um, eggs, including the shells. 
and the Dynavite supplement, and then the Lico Chops. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. It just balances out his body and his mind and his spirit. Adding Dynavite to their diet has every single dog in my kennel looking better than they have ever looked. Their skin is so much better now that they're on the raw diet, I don't even give them the kibble anymore. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, I just came across this online. I don't know when this went up, but uh, Joe Biden, he's the um, he's the Democratic front runner, and he is now the stuff that this guy is saying about Donald Trump. This is what I'm talking about. Um, he said that Trump is uh, to try and divide everybody. He compared him to the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, let me look over here and see what he said here. It's um, he says that. Um, he claimed that the use of a dog whistle to subtly support racists makes him an heir to the Ku Klux Klan. This is what he said. This is this is the front runner for the Democratic uh, nomination. Nobody said anything like he's saying, um, but uh, he said he said the president's words serve to legitimize the views of bigots and give them safe harbor to speak out and be more straightforward. This is what. Listen to this. We went through this before in the 20s with the Ku Klux Klan, he said. 50,000 people walking down Pennsylvania Avenue in pointed hats and robes because they, in fact, decided that they didn't want any Catholics coming into the country. We went through it after the Civil War in terms of the Ku Klux Klan and white supremacy. This is about separating people into good and bad in his mind. Uh, Biden said Trump is playing a dangerous game. And he suggested that following a history of inadequate presidents who have failed to live up to American ideals, Trump represents a new low, a leader who won't try. We've never really met the standard, but we've never abandoned it before. He looks like he just flat abandoned the theory that we are one people. And they keep saying that he's trying to divide people. He's telling he's he's these are the same people who are out there saying that if you if you voted for Trump or if you support Trump, you're a racist. End of discussion. End of story. That's the way it is, because I said so. He's now being compared to 50,000 people walking down Pennsylvania Avenue in pointed hats. That's how insane it's gotten. They're nuts, and it's going to kill them. They're not going to win. He's going to destroy them. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.